electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to a special West Coast edition of Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to help you make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. But here we go again. Back in San Francisco at our One Market Bureau after an almost two-year hiatus. Why come back here? It's simple. This is indeed the innovation capital of the world, and innovation drives the stock market. Innovation is what makes stocks go higher. If you want to know what the future looks like, you can't just hunker down on the East Coast. You need some sense of the future. When we teach you how to pick the right stocks for yourselves or imagine your portfolio like we do with the CNBC Investing Club. Now, on any given day, there might be themes that trump tech. Oh, that was true today. Dow slipped 13 points. S&P edged down fractionally. NASDAQ declined 0.04%. I mean, the week is the heart of retail season, right? I mean, retail earnings, does that have anything to do with tech? Well, wait a second. We hear from all the most important broadline and big box stores like Walmart or Target or Home Depot or Lowe's. But what really drives those stocks? What drives retail these days? The whole industry is going on all in on omnichannel, direct to consumer. In other words, tech. If you're running a store that's still using the old ways, trying to keep track of inventory by hand, trying to intuit what customers really want based on gut instinct, then you're toast. Retailers need the customer relations management software of Salesforce.com, the personal touch that Twilio can give you. By the way, Twilio is on tonight. And all of it's powered by high-speed computers that run on chips from NVIDIA, AMD, Intel, the kind of chips you, you can see if you go into a core site data center, Real Estate Investment Trust. Yes, the one that was bought this morning by American Tower. Without these special tech accoutrements, well, you might as well fold up shop. And it's not just retail. When I got out of school, I went into banking, finding myself at Goldman Sachs. These days, if you're going into banking, that may mean working at a fintech firm like Square that's out here, Upstart, Robinhood, a firm. Another one that's on the show tonight. 
These places harness the power of artificial intelligence to disrupt entire industries, or they empower the individual versus institutions. So what am I personally looking for out here in Silicon Valley that I hope can make you some money? Number one, how businesses are using artificial intelligence to replace humans, especially because workers are so darn hard to find now that we're living through the great resignation. Do you know in September, just in September, we had 4.4 million people quit their job? That's 3% of the total. When you think of artificial intelligence, well, you know I got to come back to NVIDIA. Everybody views this one as a semiconductor company, but it's really a platform for all sorts of artificial intelligence and machine learning. If you want to go to the next level of climate change measurement, carbon capture, or stopping fires, developing new medicines, then you need speed. And humans simply can't calculate anywhere near as fast as computers. And the computers are a lot smarter than we are. Well, then there's conversational artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence that lets computers come across like actual people. Well, that's 5.9, the contact center software play that we'll speak to later in the show. And yes, ultimately you get to people, but you got to get to the other kind first. Second, there's the metaverse. When people hear this, well, of course, now they think of Facebook, the company that just changed its name to Meta Platforms. Mark Zuckerberg has committed $10 billion to build out his metaverse. That's more, by the way, than Iceland's doing. Personally, I prefer the picks and shovels place that will make all this possible. You know what that is? That's the U, Unity Software, not the university, although I like the university, which makes the tools you need to develop video games and now metaverse experiences. What's so appealing about this? I think Unity's technology can put you right in the middle of any football game, maybe playing center for the new improved Mahomes, or having cameras on all players so you can isolate the ones you care about most for your fantasy football team, which I, I better win tonight. By the way, mine's uh, one, two in a row. Who gets to the metaverse first? Well, let's see. Who gets it? It's Roblox. They got it ahead of Facebook. They did. My money's on Roblox. The popular online gaming platform that makes it easier for users to create their own digital experiences. Now, if you go back to the interview we had last week with CEO Dave Bazuki, it's the Zook, not the other Zook, who's been developing an alternate universe for 15 years, just about 20 miles down the road. You'll realize, hey, maybe they invented it. Maybe Al Gore invented it. I don't know who invented it, but I like Roblox. But the most important player in the metaverse, it's a company I mentioned already, and it's indeed NVIDIA. Not only do they dominate artificial intelligence, they also make the best graphics chips that can power virtual reality. I make no secret how much I love this company. I wouldn't rename my dog NVIDIA if I thought it was just a standard issue growth stock. Now, a lot of people freak out when they see that NVIDIA's got a $750 billion valuation because that's three times the size of the next largest semiconductor company. But like I said before, you can't pigeonhole this company as a mere chip maker. No, NVIDIA is a creation company, creating the ability to have machine learning and artificial intelligence that can solve problems we didn't even know existed. We're also making gaming and metaverse experiences more lifelike. I need you to do this. I need you to go watch visionary CEO Jensen Wong's GTC keynote from last week. It starts, it starts with a kitchen, okay? You don't know it's virtual. It's a beautiful kitchen, then it's decomposed, and then it's gotten soaring, beautiful classical music, except it's not classical at all. The composer is a computer. Yep, a machine. Sounds a lot better than the modern's. Third theme. Electric vehicles. Rivian keeps exploding higher ever since it came public last week. They're based in California, but the south, not the north. Here in Silicon Valley, hey, we got Lucid. Yes, the luxury performance electric vehicle maker. that just won the Motor Trend Car of the Year Award today. It's not even out it got the Motor Trend. Well, it could just be in your brain you get that. Well, we're going to see them tomorrow. Who doesn't want to be the next Tesla? 
Who doesn't want to own the stock of the next Tesla? And that is the real driver here. Fourth, how did financial technology become a West Coast obsession? I think it's a good thing because the, when the East Coast does financial innovation, we just invent ever more ridiculous types of securities that blow up in you. On the West Coast, they're more into engineering than financial engineering. You want a real revolutionary tech on banking? You need to talk to the people who run Square, tomorrow's business. And you need to speak to Max Levchin from a firm who's reinvented the concept of buy now, pay later. He's trying to cut the credit card companies out of the consumer lending equivalent because, well, you know what? They're, they're now, they've kept generations trapped into their financial chains. Which brings me to another concept, another reason we have to come out here. When I got out of school in the early 80s, my goal was simpatico with Wall Street. I wanted to make as much money as possible without breaking the law. That was the zeitgeist back then. We didn't care about collateral damage. The consensus was what's good for business is good for America, vice versa, at least among yuppies. If you had a cause you cared about, you could take your profits and donate them to that cause. But we now live in a very different world. These days, the smartest people come out to the West Coast. Well, many of them come here with what they call a purpose. At the end of the day, the winners are making a lot of money, way more than you'd make at Goldman Sachs. In the East, money is a force. In the West, it almost feels like some sort of weird byproduct, the way copper is a byproduct of gold mining. Is it really possible to make money and do good at the same time? I didn't used to think so. For most of my life, those two things seem very unrelated at best. But the bottom line, the more I come out here, and I do need to come out here, the more I think it's true. You can do well by doing good. Maybe, just maybe, it's like Bob Dylan. I want to come out here because I was so much older then. I'm younger than that now. All right, let's take some calls. Let's start with Cabret in Ohio. Cabret. Booyah, Jim. I want to have a quick shout out to the number three ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. Maybe if you talk to the football, college football committee, they'll let us into the playoffs. But my Why question not? today it, is it about. It seems you discriminate yeah. against the team. Go ahead. I'm sorry. They, they are. They are. My question is about Dell. I got into it in Q1 after your recommendation, and I had a really, really good return. But after they just split off their VMware, do I need to keep both? Do I need to sell one and keep the other no, company? No, if anything, you, I'd buy more. If anything, I'd buy more. I think this is one of the great stories of the era, and it doesn't get nearly the credit because Michael Dell is not a promoter. I think you should buy more of that stock. Let's go to Scott in North Carolina. Scott. Jimbo, booyah. Booyah. Mr. Kramer, you are yes. national treasure. Infrastructure Ugh. bill. Jacobs Engineering or its competitor, Qantas Services? Oh, Qantas Services. Come on. When the power line goes down, it's Qantas Services. And all our power lines do is go down. Let's go to Mike in New Jersey. Mike. Hello, Jim. Thank you for the thinking that you share on stocks and companies. Thank I don't you. work for any airlines, but I work at an airport that is a United Airlines hub. They are saying there isn't much business travel, and a lot of people must be going to the beach in suits and ties. The passengers can't be processed fast enough. I can't even find a parking spot, and this is before the holiday rush. Why is United Airlines trading at just about where it was when no planes are taking off, and is now when planes are jockeying for runway space, taking off every two minutes? The price of oil shouldn't keep United down 45%, should it? So no, what am I missing? No, I, I, that's United what I think. Airlines? I like okay. the stock very much. It's my favorite airline. Used to be North, it used to be Southwest. It used to be a love, but I no longer love love. I like United Airlines, and I think you should buy some. All right, innovation drives the market, which is why I'm so pumped to be back in San Francisco. Some of the things I have my eye on this week, oh, this would be AI. Who invented the metaverse? Just kidding. We're going to look at the metaverse entirely. EVs, fintech. And yes, E and S and G. 
For the first time in two years, Mad Money's taken over San Francisco. And we got much more coming up, including my exclusive with the top brands of 5.9. See what's ahead. Twilio powers the interaction of companies like Netflix and Lyft, but also small business. But with the stock down nearly 14% over the past month, time to take some action? Wow, I don't know. I got the CEO. And Warren Buffett just made a bigger bet on Chevron than he already has. Now I've got the exclusive with Mike Worth. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand. NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. When a takeover target backs away from a merger, that tells you Mazda's pretty darn confident about the future because they think that they can get a higher valuation as an independent company. And that's exactly what we saw at the end of September when 5.9, the provider of cloud-based software for contact centers, walked away from Zoom video. Sure enough, when 5.9 reported last Monday, it was one of the best quarters this year. The numbers were amazing, and the forecast for the current quarter was even better. In response, the stock jumped nearly 15% last Tuesday. But since then, it's given up some of those gains thanks to the inflation freakout. At this point, the stock's now down roughly 24% from its August peak. And it's even fallen a few bucks from where it was trading when they walked away from the Zoom deal. I don't know if that's right. 
Could it be an incredible bargain? Let's take a closer look with Rowan Trollope. He's the CEO of Five9 to learn more about the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Trollope, welcome back to Man Money. Thanks for having me back, Jim. Okay, so Rowan, yeah, I'm going to give you something for your conference call because I loved it. Every business in the world other than an occasional mining company or fishing company, needs a contact center. Why does every business in the world other than those two need a contact center? Well, you got to talk to your customers. Think about this. And especially in a world where we're everything, you know, things have gone more digital and more virtual than ever, the contact center is the front door to many of your customers. And people want to talk to businesses that they're engaging with. So that's the reason every, every business needs us to do what we do. Okay, so when I look at your company and I think about what happened, I say, you know what, I'd like to have a real view of what's going to be in the future. You happen to have what a virtual financial analyst deck coming up. Yeah. Could you give us a preview about what you're going to say? Absolutely, I can. So this Thursday, we're having our financial analyst day. We're going to share our five-year outlook and projections. Five years? Yep, what's going to happen with the company over time. We're very confident in the business. We didn't skip a beat through this discussions with, with Zoom, and we're back, uh, we're back stronger than ever, candidly. And we're talking a lot these days about First and foremost, how to get all those companies that still have bad customer service onto a modern software platform like ours to get to get them modernized and get a, a much better experience. I mean, we share that that you know distaste for companies with bad service, and we kind of help them fix that. And the second thing is it's all about efficiency, right? We know that so many businesses are struggling to hire right now, right. especially in contact centers, and so we've got an AI and automation portfolio that's helping them drive efficiency at at new levels they've never seen before. Well, let's talk about going virtual. Let's talk about artificial intelligence. What kind of virtual assistant can you give me so that I don't necessarily have to try to find someone and pay them double what I had to before the pandemic? Exactly. We have our IVA. It's an industry-leading technology, intelligent virtual agent. It's conversational. It's actually backed by companies like Google and Amazon, the, the hyperscalers that are out there. We use that technology to deliver a conversational and really, really delightful experience. So this is not like the sort of frustrating bots that you might have seen right, in the past. Right. This is a really modern experience, and, and customers love it. We've actually seen uh, 80% attach of this technology uh, to our all of our new enterprise deals, and it's blowing away our oh, expectations. Oh, it's attached to our people, because yeah, so knows what that means. 80% of the businesses that are buying our software are adding the uh, AI technology, IVA, into the sale so that they can take advantage of these efficiency gains that are possible. Okay, now everyone knows the brand Under Armour. Yep. So we're trying to figure out, when you mention Under Armour, well, why do they need a, a, a call center? There's an example of, is that a mining or fishing company to me? Tell me how it works. <laughs> sure. So take any retail, any retail company, really. Uh, often you're not, you know, you're, you're buying online. Right. And you've got a product. You've got a problem with the product that you ordered. You have a question. Sometimes you can't get the answers that you need. And so you want to be able to contact and connect with a human being. That's part of what we deliver. But also, we deliver all the other technology for Under Armour to directly engage with their customers. My son, huge Under Armour fan. And for, for brands like that, they, they need and want to have a direct connection to their customers, and we help provide that. Okay, so let's, let's uh, deal with it twice. One, the customer definitely wants it, but two, what can you give a company? Can you show something, a matrix about what people like and what don't versus just their own people? Yeah, we use tons of, we use AI to provide all kinds of insight into the interaction between the customers. So you'll see all the customers that come into the website and what, they, what they're clicking on and what are they interested in. You'll also see when they call, why are they calling? We'll actually transcribe the calls in real time and provide insight to the business as to why are people calling? What are they asking about? So that they can make even better products but, but, in the future. I have, I have called, I've spent a lot of money at certain places. And they act as if I've never done any business. Well, of course, they don't act. They don't know anything. When I do get 
if I had your system that I'm calling, would they at least know I've spent a drop to thousand dollars in the last few months there? Absolutely. That's the first thing we want to do for customers is make sure that a business knows who's calling or connect or connecting so that they can provide customized and personalized service. And the reality is the reason why you're still seeing that is that four out of five businesses haven't modernized their contact center. They're still using legacy technologies, literally hardware switches sitting in closets with dust on them. And that stuff just doesn't handle the kind of new experiences that customers want. And that's what our cloud software provides. Well, I'm confused here because uh, it, you got to realize if, you run, if you're CEO of one of these companies, you must know you're losing business to the guy who's got you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, businesses recognize this problem. And especially today's modern consumers are much more demanding oh. than, you know, sort of some of us old guys, right? And they are looking at, they're looking at these businesses and they're saying, if you don't give me great customer service, I'm out. I'm going to switch to another brand. Exactly. That's what we do. Yes. We're all we're all ready to go exactly. anytime we want to. Well, I think you know. I think your consistent numbers, thirty-eight uh, percent year of your revenue, enterprise doing incredibly well. I think the stock has come down too much versus what you were doing. And to me, you don't need Zoom, right? Yep. Well, we're we're just fine as we are, and we're really excited about the future, Jim. Excellent. That's Rowan Trollope. He's the CEO of Five Nine F I V N. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, after taking a big post-earnings hit, does Twilio have a counterpunch plan for next quarter and beyond? Kramer finds out next. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Great tech companies that give you some downbeat guidance, but Wall Street doesn't always appreciate that approach. Take Twilio, the cloud-based communications platform that helps huge companies like Nike, Lyft, and Netflix connect with their customers via text, via phone, email, video, whatever you want. After a big run last year, Twilio's stock has stalled out in 2021. Some of that's purely due to a rotation of the highest-flying growth stocks, but there's another element to this. Twilio's gotten into the habit of reporting spectacular results, but they're giving mixed guidance. I think it's just they're giving realistic guidance, but people want hype. They want a better-than-expected sales forecast to go with the better-than-expected sales. Sure enough, Twilio did it again when they reported late last month. Stocks sank nearly 18% in a single session, although some of that's because the company's well-respected COO also announced his resignation. Still, this is a great growth stock that's now down 33% from its highs. So let's take a closer look with Jeff Lawson, the co-founder and chairman and CEO of Twilio. to get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Lawson, welcome back to Mid Money. Thank you, Jim. Great to be back. All right, so, Jeff, I was talking with my investment committee for the club that I run, and we have a charitable trust, and we were trying to find great growth companies that are not up for the year. 
And boom, you're at the top of the list of great growth, but most down. And yet I think that some of this is just an overreaction uh, because it was actually a darn good quarter. And I didn't see anything in it that made me think that organic growth is going to slow down dramatically. Well, I think it was a great quarter as well. And as a reminder, we have guided to multiple years ahead of 30% annual growth. And that just speaks to the size of the opportunity ahead, what we see as how we're going to capture that opportunity. And, you know, it's interesting. We have this usage-based pricing model, and that can provide small fluctuations up, small fluctuations down in any particular quarter, but ultimately over the long horizon is a real powerful driver of our long-term growth against this really big opportunity. And so I think that's what uh, some investors are, are looking at. But when we look at it, we think the fundamentals of the business look great. We've added great inorganic uh, acquisitions like segment to right. our portfolio that is allowing us to tackle this really generational opportunity to become the leading customer engagement platform for B2C companies to really build their business. All right, let's take it head on. Here's Mizuho saying, decelerating organic growth puts near-term pressure. I mean, now, I read through it, and I just said, you know, look, you were growing at a, at a rate that was just ridiculously high, and now you're growing faster than almost every other company anyway. Uh, that doesn't sound like anything to be as concerned as some of the analysts are. Well, our growth has been in the range of high 30s right. to low 50s for a while, and at a uh, nearly $3 billion revenue run rate, those are astounding numbers. And so I feel great about the fundamentals of the business. And, you know, this is within the range of where we've been. And, you know, I feel like, again, this is just part of that usage-based model. It can fluctuate a little bit up, can fluctuate a little bit down. But ultimately, this is a very great business that is helping B2C companies really build their relationships and drive their businesses forward. And that's uh, an opportunity that is, I think, the greatest opportunity in enterprise software today. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because let's go back to the real world, okay, about how you're really doing. You talk about the digital giants, all right, and how they, you have to be able to take them on. You've got to be able to take them on, and you've got to do it with a realistic amount of money, and that really only Twilio offers anyone the ability to take them on. Well, you think about the digital giants, so Amazon, Facebook, Google, right? They know so much about us because of how we use their products, and then they use that understanding of us to really personalize every touch point we have with them, every visit to the website or a mobile app. Anytime they talk to us, it feels really relevant and personal. And because of that, they're building great digital relationships with us. And now every company that I talk to is saying they need to build the same kind of digital relationships with us, their customers, right. as those giants do. But it takes a huge investment in data, in systems, in uh, the applications of engagement in order to actually get as good as those digital giants have. And that's what our platform is enabling those companies to do. So we take the data that a company has about its customers, all first-party data, assemble it into a profile of that customer. So they know, oh, Jim likes this and he likes that. He doesn't like this. And then use that knowledge of you to personalize that website experience, that mobile experience, their marketing, their sales programs, uh, even the customer support. All of those touch points can be personalized and made as good as those digital giants do. And the stakes couldn't be higher. If a company doesn't have a direct and unbreakable relationship with its customer, then it can get disintermediated by those digital giants. You know, and I'm you have to pay a tax to Apple, to Amazon, et cetera, and nobody wants to be doing that. Well, I think that one of the things that as a small business person, I always think it's, it's, it's hubris of the big giants. They're just taking advantage of all this stuff. I want my customers to be my customers. You want them coming to you first. Yes, especially because those giants don't know. They, they're fooling you. Now, they do a great job of that. 
But I would prefer to have it so that my customer knows that I care uh, and it's real. You're offering that at scale to smaller business and medium-sized business? Yeah, think about the great digital businesses. You know, we had some great businesses on stage at our Signal conference last month. We had Intuit. We had Peloton, right? These are great brands talking about how they're building an amazing experience that understands their customers and then is able to personalize it. So, you know, Intuit shared. They said before they started using Twilio, they had three segments for their entire customer base. So it's like 100 million consumers. They divided them into three segments, and they said, you know, people didn't really read our emails or, you know, it wasn't that great. And then using Twilio, they, they diced that audience into almost 500 segments, and now they could really tailor that message in for exactly who you are, where you are on the journey, what you are likely to do. Are you going to file taxes? Are you a high-income person? Is it first-time filing taxes? dial the whole thing in for you. When they did that, their engagement went up by 30 percent. Well, that points. could be their report this week. Why, you know, we, we follow them closely. They had a nice acceleration. And I'm sure you're part Great of it. Great example, right? Now, one last thing. Uh, I went back and forth with George Yu. He's an executive who left. It's HU. And I, he said, yeah, I said to Jeff that that was going to happen. He said it was just completely expected. I think the analyst kind of gave you a raw deal by saying that this was an unexpected thing. Because George, I've known him for a long time. This was business as usual. Yeah, this is completely thoughtful. George let me know uh, a while ago that yes. he thought his career was he wanted to move up to the bigger role. There's only one bigger role inside of Twilio. It's me. I'm not going right. anywhere. So George and I executed a very thoughtful transition plan by handing the revenue responsibilities to our chief revenue officer. Makes a lot of sense. Mark Boroditsky, who's built the sales machine at Twilio from the beginning. Right. So great leader there. Handing the COO responsibilities over to Kozema Ship Chandler, right. who's our CFO, who's been taking on operational roles for the past 18 months, growing his operational purview in the company. So this was a very thoughtful transition uh, of, of George into whatever he does. Yeah, next. And those who say it's not do, do not know this man. They don't know George. They don't know, they don't know Jeff either. Very because thoughtful. I've been able to check this out. And it was not it was not what some of these analysts said. It's just a nice interchange because he told me you, you remain his best friend. Well, we had a great bench able to take it, uh, you know, able to transition those responsibilities. Well, thanks, Jeff. I think this is just such such a good story. And we finally got it at a discount. And that is very hard to get. That's Jeff Lawson. He's co-founder, chairman and CEO of Twilio. You'll never see a price back like this. Well, maybe once or twice. That's about it. Man, money's back in. Coming up. The fintech forecast calls for future flexibility. Can a firm help you pay for this season's holiday goodies and leave a profit in your portfolio's stocking? Kramer's got the CEO next. This holiday season, does it pay off to pay in the new way? A firm wants to put fintech flexibility in your pocket. Should investors be putting it in their portfolio? When a red hot stock goes into roller coaster mode. I'm talking about a firm holdings, the financial technology company that dominates the buy now, pay later space. Here's a stock that surged from the mid 50s in July to 148 today, but in the past week it's gotten pretty volatile. Last Wednesday, a firm got hammered by a one two punch of a red hot inflation number and then a suboptimal quarter from Upstart, another fintech play that's not really in the same business. Stock punched $24 last Wednesday, then jumped $18 on Thursday uh, oh, and, uh, after a firm reported a generally strong quarter. At these levels, though, the stock's still down nearly 20 bucks from its high. 
So could this be the chance to buy one of the hottest names of the year at a discount? Let's check in with Max Levchin. He's the co-founder and chairman and CEO of a firm holdings to get a better sense of the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Levchin, welcome back to Bad Money. Thank you for having me. All right, so, Max, I'm going to go a little bit different from the typical nuts and bolts of even the intro. Uh, you said in your most recent conference call, there's a, dr- a dramatic rerouting of the flow of intellectual capital. People who needed a mission, a chance to fix the problems of the financial system. Isn't that really what a firm's about? It is. Uh, I, I'm glad uh, somebody was paying attention. The foundations of our team is these young, idealistic people that were brilliant enough to go join the quant fund of the moment and said, you know what, that's not what I want. I want to go and make the world a better place in the way of financial technology. The thing that I was supposed to go and just you know, squeeze the market for the last penny, I'm going to put that penny back on a table and give it back to the people. And so th- those are the, the bones of a firm. That, that's why we've been successful, because the mission runs through the people from the very beginning. How many of the people who work with you I said with, because I know you're a horizontal guy, had, say, parents who they watched be in the chains of of credit cards. Well, I think all of us had some kind of a story to tell. And not necessarily all of, you know, not not everyone is young uh, at the same time. uh, I came to the U.S. as a teenager, got my first credit card at 18, promptly uh, missed the memo on the minimum payment and ended up wrecking my, my credit rating and took a decade and a half to fix it. There were lots and lots of kids that I would tell that story. And kids, I mean, college graduates in uh, 2012 when they started the company, tell that story to them. They'd say, oh, my God, the same thing that happened to me. But not really. It happened to my parents. We had to sell the house short. I, I never knew what that meant until one of our early employees explained that to me. And that sounds horrifying, much worse than the credit card history. So Absolutely. Now, uh, there are two companies that have been really fabulous uh, growers of late, Shopify and Amazon. And both of them went with you. Now, how much of why they went with you is that ethos, and how much of it is just you run a, have a better mousetrap? There's a handful of reasons, and uh, I think both Shopify and Amazon and Walmart, to, to mention another great partner of ours, and probably the majority of our merchants, first and foremost, the ethos of staying with the customer, being there for the customer, not kicking the customer when they're down, is really important to them. You know, Amazon loves to talk about their customer obsession, and you know, Shopify is there to uh, I'm the regular guy, and and so on and so forth. And that connection with the customer is really powerfully important to them, and that's what we bring authentically. We don't we don't have to fake it. That that is our DNA. That said, we are an engineering first shop. We really build great software, and these companies fundamentally need someone who can scale, who can be there reliably, who can handle peaks and ebbs and flows of, of web traffic and transaction safety, and that, that, that's who we are. And you gotta be able to take a scale, which means underwriting. If you're not careful, you're gonna end up on the wrong side of credit losses, and that's a you know, one-way door, as, as I say, at Amazon. And so all of those things combined, the search set becomes very limited to, I think, exactly one company, us. There are others in the space. Others are often quick to tell me, hey, listen, we have buy now, pay later. Why do you keep talking to a firm? And look, I, I, I think it's the customers that tell me to talk to a firm. It's not Max Levchin bragging to me. You don't do that. You know, I, I think uh, our customer list speaks for itself. Uh, at the moment, I believe we are uh, partnered with about 60% of the United States e-commerce volume. Um, and we weren't chosen randomly. We are the strongest technologists in the space. We have the most customer-centric point of view that we bring to everything we do. 
we know what we're doing managing risk, and we know how to fund our transactions. Capital markets execution at a certain scale becomes a critical aspect uh, of a business like this. And uh, combined, it's, it's hard to find. Well, one last question. Uh, before I came out here, I talked to a large credit card company, and they said, well, listen, how do you think we're going to make money with so many people default on us? How else are we going to make our money if we don't charge a huge amount? And I said, well, I'll put it to Max. Max? You know, my numbers speak for themselves. Uh, if you look at DQ30, industry slang, delinquencies after 30 days, uh, keeping it below 2% uh, last I looked or something along those lines, um, that is a stat that, you know, coming back to pre-pandemic levels a little bit, but it's a great number. Yes. My favorite stat about a firm is in that, though. It's the 15, 16, I can't remember anymore, million transactions we, uh, we processed. Zero dollars, zero cents in late fee, deferred interest, hidden charges, whatever fee you want to throw in, we don't take that. People pay us back because we're on their side, because we treat them right. When the pandemic hit, we fully worried that, my goodness, you know, that, that's when we're going to get tested. Right. Our customers would call us and say, hey, you know what, I want to make sure I make my affirm payments. You guys have been so good to us. And that, you know, if you treat people right, uh, it works out. I agree with you. That's Max Levchin, he's co-founder, chairman, and CEO of a firm, AFRM. You know, we had a moment at 67. I told you, you got to buy it. I'm, not, I'm unwavering. You still do. They have money's back in for the break. Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Steve Dent the lightning round comes around with Cassie in New York. Cassie! Hello, Jim. Thank you so much for all you do to us little investors. I am we're all little investors. I was among, among the tiniest. What's going on? I joined your club. Listen, I saw you interviewed the CEO of New Relic, N-E-W-R, bought the stock, went down. All of a sudden, 35% went up the other day. What is going on? It had a dynamite quarter. Cassie, it had one of the most unbelievable quarters, and Lou Cerny is back, and he's bigger than ever. Congratulations for sticking with it. Let's get in. Thank you for the kind comments. Let's go to Curtis in New York. Curtis! Hey, Jim. How you doing, man? I am doing good, partner. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Real quick, I need a a birthday booyah for my sister, Danielle. My niece, Danielle, Danielle, happy birthday! Ah. What else? Penelope and Greg, too. All three. All right. All right, Jim. Um, I love momentum trading. I love my AMC, but I do also keep a diversified portfolio, which includes DraftKings. I've been holding and adding at support levels since May of 2020, even though they just missed on Q3 earnings. I think it's still a long-term solid investment. Uh, okay, here's the problem, Curtis. Right now, it is like a war out there. I mean, these guys are killing each other. That does not mean that DraftKings isn't the best. It's just that they got to stop killing each other. And when they do, and people realize they're spending too much money per customer, DraftKings does well. So that's my long-term stick with it. Short-term, my, it could be a house of pain. Let's go to Bill in Pennsylvania. Bill. Chill, man. Uh, with the GOP about the looks like they're going to spark one up here, what do you think about grow generation? 
I didn't like that quarter. Uh, that quarter was not a good quarter. I know that it looked on the surface as like it, it's just the same old good quarter, but it did not have the organic growth that I like. I don't want you in that stock. I just think it's not right. Let's go to Jesse in Texas. Jesse. Thank you for taking my call, Mr. Kramer. Hit me, hit me Jesse. Hit me. I, I need your opinion on Hymex. H-I-M-X, please. Thank you. No, no, no. If we're going to go over there, we're going to buy Taiwan Semi. That's the only one I like over there. I don't mean to be like too anti-Asian-centric, but I just don't trust a lot of the stocks over there because they've let us down time and again. Let's go to Rama in New York. Rama! Yes. Booyah. I love your show. Thank you. What I'm interested in is the old Enron KMI. Should I buy some more? Okay, that wasn't the old Enron. I mean, some of the people were involved, but they long, long, left long, long after that disaster. I happen to think that KMI is inexpensive. There was a downgrade the other day uh, that made it sound like the things were bad. You got a 6% yield. The world is short of pipes. Our country's short of pipes. I think it works. Let's go to Rebecca in New York. Rebecca! Hi, I'm so happy to talk to you. Right back at you. I I love you so, and I want to thank you and your staff. You're doing a great, great job. I got great staff. Absolutely. I'm looking at some of the best here. They they came out west of me. What's going on? Yeah. Okay, so now that the EVs are getting more popular, do you think it's a good idea to uh, buy stocks from companies like uh, Plug Power or Blue? I want to hold Plug Power, not buy it right here. We just had had a gigantic run, just a huge run in Plug. This stock tends to pull back after a big run, so let's be a little careful. Now we're going to go to Rick in Florida. Rick! How you doing, Jim? My question is about 3D systems. Sell, 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 sell. It's had a very big run, and to me, it's time to call it quits, 3D. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round! The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, this company's acknowledged the need for clean energy. But could rising oil prices mean a quick return for home gamers? Kramer sits down with Chevron next. Gas prices peaked. I mean, there are a lot of reasons to think that fossil fuels put in their highs late last month. That's the case. Then what do you do? Well, you might want to adjust your approach to the energy stocks. Rather than the more boom and bust independent producers, you could go with a big integrated oil company that has exposure to refining and retail, too. And my favorite integrated it's easy. You know what it is. It's Chevron, the battleful 4.6% dividend yield and buyback. When Chevron imported late last month, they shot the lights out. Just as important, though, they got a, gave you a plan to gradually lower the carbon intensity of the business with $10 billion in capital investments slated through 2028 to make it happen. Yet this is an oil company that's trying to be more environmentally friendly but still make money for you. So don't take it from me. Let's check in with Mike Worth, the chairman and CEO of Chevron, to catch up with this terrific story. Mr. Worth, welcome back to Man Money. Jim, it's good to be here. Okay, so Mike, I'm going through the quarter, and I'm thinking, wow, they really did it. They, they're making the same amount of money they did when oil was 100 bucks. There's no slop. This is true. And then I said, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I got to consider ESG. Mike, there is a moment where you just have to say, I want an oil company because it's a good oil company. 
why should I be worried about what will happen 10 years from now? Well, Jim, we've been around for 142 years, and we intend to be around for many, many decades to come. And we believe the future is lower carbon. And so we believe we can deliver higher returns to our shareholders today, strong dividend growth, share repurchases, really strong cash flow, and prepare for a lower carbon energy future through investing in uh, technologies that will grow and be a more important uh, part of the energy system in the years to come. Well, uh, I completely agree with that. But, Mike, there are people who are saying that your business has to decarbonize at a pace that would wreck the company. And I don't think that's wrong to say. I mean, there are some people who want to legislate you out of business. You know that. You've even talked about the idea that some of the some of the uh, decarbonization plans are pipe dreams. Well, look, we've uh, reduced the carbon intensity of our production of oil, of gas. We've reduced methane emissions flaring dramatically in just the last few years, and we intend to continue to do so. We're a top quartile producer in terms of low carbon intensity for our oil production for our gas production, as long as the world is using the products that we generate, we think that it should uh, be provided by those that are the most efficient. And we intend to be more carbon efficient in the future than we are today. And as long as the world's using our products, we'll continue to improve. All right, so let's talk about some of the things you're doing. For instance, I just saw you bought 60 uh, uh, CNG retail sites. I see you doing things, hydrogen, I see you doing these things where it looks like you're placing a lot of bets in different technologies. Which are the ones that are going to work, or are they just all we don't know yet? Well, we're working in areas where we think we can create competitive advantage and strong returns by building on the capabilities, the assets, and the customer value chains that we serve today, but introducing new technologies and new products into those. So the things you're talking about today, compressed natural gas, we're working with dairy farmers to take emissions from dairy farms that otherwise go unabated into the atmosphere. We capture the methane emissions, treat them, and get them into a pipeline and on into a compressed natural gas fueling station. So we're building new value chains with existing customers, can use a lot of the same existing infrastructure, and dramatically lower carbon emissions. Well, I'm glad you brought up the cows. When I first heard you say that, I said, well, give me a break. Turns out that, I know this is Mother Nature, but cows are horrible polluters. Methane. They produce a lot of methane. Cows, cows yeah. emit methane from both ends, and uh, we can work to uh, reduce those emissions. And so, uh, look, we're, we're serious about reducing emissions in our traditional business and creating these faster-growing, lower-carbon businesses that will be a bigger part of the future. Now, how about sustainable aviation fuel? Is that possible? It's not only possible. We've begun manufacturing it. We've delivered it to customers, and we intend to grow that business as we go forward, it's really difficult to envision flying planes on batteries. They just don't have the energy density of liquid fuels. And so we've got to find a way to create sustainable aviation fuel in larger quantities. We're working with the airlines on this right now. We manufactured our refinery down in Los Angeles, and that'll be a bigger part of our business, uh, no doubt, 10 years from now. Do you think there'll today. be free riders here? You're spending a lot of money to develop technologies. I have to believe that others will take advantage of them after you've built them uh, at a fraction of what you had to experiment with. Well, people across our sector and many others are trying a lot of different ideas. And I think innovation is good. I, I Look, we, uh, we want to see uh, a lower carbon sustainable future. And where the innovation comes from, where it gets adapted and scaled, large companies like ours may bring technologies in that somebody else developed because we've got the, the balance sheet, the engineering capability, project capability to scale these things to make a real difference. Well, let's bring it back to the stock. I noticed after the close today, Warren Buffett, bought even more stock. He's the top 10 shareholder. Uh, I know you treat all shareholders the same, but is that good? In, do you like to have any back and forth with uh, Mr. Buffett? Well, 
Berkshire Hathaway is a very large and, uh, and greatly valued shareholder. I've been out on the road uh, the last week talking to shareholders across the country, and uh, I think they like what we're doing, and, uh, and they've got an optimistic view about the future. Do you think there's shareholders uh, who would not have been shareholders had you not bumped up substantially the amount you're putting in in order to be able to come up with better, more sustainable solutions? Well, I think both existing shareholders that may add to their positions and new shareholders want to see financial performance, and they also want to see uh, responsible stewardship of, uh, of our business uh, against this society's expectations today. So uh, we invite new shareholders to come in, and we welcome existing shareholders that, that want to uh, increase their positions. Are you surprised that some of these U.S. producers are still being disciplined? Because we know that if, they, if we pumped everything in this country, oil, oil prices would come down. Well, I think uh, most producers in this country have committed to shareholders. They're, they're going to return capital yeah. and be, be responsible as opposed to just chase growth for the sake of That's what they did for years. What got it? How did everyone get religion out of, out of nowhere? Since Rockefeller, they've well, been spending like me. Well, the, the industry has a history of this, but uh, <laughs> you know, you've heard people say this You're time it's that. different. We'll, right. see. we'll see if that holds. But to this point, um, I think it really, it really has held. Really has. And uh, uh, the companies that, that break from that, I think, uh, are at risk of uh, being singled out in a, in a way that's not positive. So uh, we'll see. The world needs our, our business uh, today and for, for many years to come. I think you're dead right, Mike. I really do. And it's also a good dividend and a good buy All right, that's Mike Worth, Chairman and CEO of Chevron. It's the big dog, and you know I like it very much. I like to say there's always more like somewhere. Probably trying to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. And the news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.